What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human beings too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how many years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual combo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. We are so grateful that you're here. So if you enjoy this podcast and want to connect further, we invite you to follow along on Instagram at what the actual fork pod and subscribe, rate and review our podcast so we can continue to share this message with more and more people. Now let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of what the actual fork podcast, Jenna. I'm so happy to see your smiling face today. Because you and I have basically been texting, messaging, DMing about our what the actual fork moment, because we're just, we're coming in hot for this one. I just, you know, what's funny. I watched, actually it was Claire Tuning, whose episode has already been released by the time this one comes out. She had a beautiful TikTok explanation where she came across what I'm about to share in just like a very beautiful Claire way, like kind informative <laughs> like educational meanwhile and you and I are like what the, what the fuck, fuck is happening in this world like and I I'm just like sitting lost here my filter I've lost my filter I can't do it anymore I literally was watching her video and I was like wow you know what this was perfectly said Claire maybe I should have just shut just up sh- and just share hers <laughs> sometimes I do I was talking to Luke about it last night where I was like because there are so many colleagues in this space that we respect and we just we know their heart is in the right place their intentions are great I'm like sometimes I don't even want to make a comment and I'm just gonna share what other people are saying because it's like I my brain can't handle it anymore that's how I feel about a lot of your videos I'm like oh that's why I send everybody your set point theory but anyways I don't know if anybody um, who is listening to us has not heard of this yet by the time this is released, but please don't drink laundry detergent. I don't care if it's a Tide Pod. I don't care if it's Borac, Borax, Borat, whatever the fuck it's Borax. called. Like, it is absolutely insane to me that in 2023, we're fighting over the Dirty Dozen and conventional versus organic, frozen versus canned, you know, seed oils, all of these things. But now trace elements have entered the chat and we are using a chemical substance that is found in like the cleaning aisle as a supplement for something like for a problem that doesn't really exist and like people are believing it and like I heard people are sprinkling it in their coffee like why are you taking away pleasure from like the most pleasurable experience in the morning like I just I cannot wrap my head around it so my what the actual fuck moment of the week not is even like, pork. like we're going there. for the word fuck today I just don't understand like why we're so quick to hop onto these trends. And by we, I mean the internet is so quick to hop onto these trends and believe 
who Clara, um, your dietitian BFF calls the wellness girlies of the internet. Like, why are we believing them? But like people in my comment section, when I posted this video, were like fighting with each other. Like, you must be the person that took the COVID vaccine. No, you're the person that didn't take the COVID vaccine. And like, that's what they're fighting about. And then speaking of that, you know, somebody else said to me recently, I'm like getting, I'm sweating now. Um, (laughs) Someone else said to me recently. I can feel it through the Zoom room. And this one's going to be controversial as fuck. So I'm sorry. But somebody said to me, why are people so quick to inject themselves with something that they have no idea the outcomes of, but won't listen to registered dietitians? Like, I, it's the same thing. It's the same conversation. And it's just mind boggling. I think the Borat um, hashtag has like 90 million views already. It's been going on for like a week. So Anything you'd like to add? I'm going to look that up. <laughs> Let's, uh, we'll take a quick break. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just, well, I saw you were the first exposure I had to it because as everybody knows, I don't shut the fuck up that I was in Denver for the Taylor Swift concert. And so I was just like off my phone. I think when this kind of hit the media, so net, then I got home and I saw your video that people were ingesting this. And as you know, my first Borax uh, exposure was 2020, you know, when people laundry were using shipping. it in the, <laughs> in the tub along with other laundry items um, or products to like get the dirt off of your sheets and things like that. So that's my first exposure. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's wild. Not a, like, because if we think about all the videos on the internet that are saying, you know, sugar is toxic or natural flavors are evil. I saw your your video with your favorite and mine, the Bobby. Um, and just, it's like, okay, that's all toxic, but I'll ingest laundry detergent, <laughs> like, which could literally kill you if you put too much in your body. And so the uh, other part of the debate, or not the debate, the conversation, because there is no debate, like you shouldn't drink it. But the other part of the conversation is like, okay, so we don't actually know what trace minerals are, right? Like the, the world that is ingesting them because of bone health and anti-inflammatory purposes, right? But we're going to put trace minerals like ahead of most of our nutrient needs like of eating enough food or eating consistently but like or hydration or hydration or inflammation (laughs) like sleep and stress like but we're gonna worry about the boron so the boron is the actual like trace mineral that people are seeking but from what I've read because now I've just learned way too much about it but from what I've read is that there's actually like a lot of boron like un refined boron in borax and so now people are probably going to overdose on it oh toxicity 100 percent, right 100%. which can cause kidney failure correct and it can because it's also found in the foods that we're already eating right so now we're sprinkling it here and there and we're gonna hurt our kidneys it can cause nausea vomiting diarrhea which in my brain was like is that why people are taking it because of weight but that it's apparently not it but like these are things that are like now side effects of this and it's just like 
Yes, it's the dose that makes the poison when it comes to most things that we talk about on the internet, but like not with poison, <laughs> like yes. not with known poison. Yes. And I was watching someone's TikTok, you know, down the rabbit hole and they were saying like the amount that you would need to take, like, you know, people are going to take too much. And, and first of all, they shouldn't be taking it. And if you, even if you were down this rabbit hole and wanted to supplement boron, you can do that with an actual supplement capsule with an amount that's not going to kill you. That is third party you know, tested. Correct. <laughs> um, so it's just, but I got a DM today of someone being like, well, you clearly haven't been in the Facebook group of the anecdotal success of, and I was like, no, I'm done. I'm done. Block. Goodbye. Like, nope. Out. Peace. Never again. Um, so apparently there's a whole Facebook group of people I mean, that are doing why this. Why are so you, you not need, hanging out You there? need to go, I dare you to somehow <laughs> slip your way in. There's no way they'll approve you, but okay. I dare you to try and then just post your TikTok in there like, and see what happens. It's just wild to me. Like, and it, I think it's just a bigger picture of there is a lot of distrust in the health space. And for whatever reason, dietitians like trying to save you are just not listened to and I don't understand why (laughs) and you know what I feel like this is a perfect segue to our amazing guest today because they did an amazing job of explaining that the behaviors and the things that we choose there's this deep Mm. longing or there's this reason underneath doing these things of why, right? Because it's not actually about anti-inflammatory if someone is ingesting borax. Like we know that you and I know that as counselors. So let's get into our amazing guest who is Jesse Neeland and Jesse Neeland, their pronouns are they, them is a coach, writer, speaker dedicated to helping people overcome the suffering associated with body anxiety, insecurity, negativity, and to improve their relationship with bodies. Jesse is committed to developing and advancing body neutrality, the practice of consciously stripping our bodies of false or inflated meaning, importance, and moral significance as a way of combating both individual suffering and systemic body-based oppression. Their work has been featured in Women's Health, Shape, Pop Sugar, Refinery29, BuzzFeed, Hello Giggles, and more. And their TEDx talk has been viewed by they wrote over 50,000 people, but last time I checked, it was over 63,000. So we will link that TEDx in the show notes too, because it was amazing. The conversation was amazing. I learned a lot. I think we both did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even want to say much more because I think the their book, Body Neutral, um, is really a lot of the conversation of what we talked about today. And I think that everybody could benefit from this conversation. Like this episode is for everyone. <laughs> We've said it before and we'll say it again. Jenna and I are wildly obsessed with Cozy Earth. Not only are we obsessed with their bedding collection, which is their luxury pillows, sheets, blankets, and more, but also their loungewear and their jammies. I used to wear anything. Like I would wear old t-shirts. Honestly, I'd wear my husband's stuff to bed. And now you won't catch me in anything other than Cozy Earth. Once you go Cozy Earth, you just don't go back. So if you want to be comfy AF, think like comfy to the 
absolute maximum, which we talk about a lot on this podcast about how being comfortable is so important in your clothes. And of course, snuggled up in bed, which is your safe haven. Cozy Earth has provided an exclusive offer for our listeners today, 35% off site-wide when you use the code FORK, that's F-O-R-K, again, 35% off the entire site, that's every single product, using code FORK. Jesse, thank you so much for being here with us today. So to get started... There's there's a lot going on right now on the internet, so I'm excited to see where you take this one. We like to start our episodes with your what the actual fork moment of the week. So something related oh, to diet God. culture, something you saw in the news, on social media, maybe something happened to you in person, maybe you heard, overheard a convo, there was a comment, whatever it is that stopped you in your tracks and made you say, what the actual fork is this? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, just as a little background, I got super sick. I'm traveling and like day two came down with sickness. So I haven't really been anywhere to hear or see (laughs) anything pretty much all week. Um, I'd say the last thing that was like notable was the um, Jonah Hill stuff, like the Mm. his ex-girlfriend coming forward with the, you know, manipulative uh controlling boyfriend behavior stuff that I was I went down a little rabbit hole around that definitely an act what the actual fork moment absolutely I thought it was so interesting too so I didn't go super deep down that rabbit hole and Jenna I don't know if you did either but um I definitely saw some of it and I thought it was so interesting how I had just finished not long ago Jonah's documentary Stuts on Netflix yeah, which is all about I mental did too. health and uh-huh. like being your best self and therapy and of course like we are all a work in progress we all have our shit so recognizing that but I was like oh wow we're jumping from like here's therapy and all the shit I work on and then like here's an example of yeah I have more work to do yeah and I think if he hadn't presented that kind of like mental health positive you know uh good guy thing like there would be very little controversy it would just be like yeah it kind of sounds like a dick but like Oh, well, (laughs) but I feel like because of the way that it was presented with the documentary and everything, everyone was like, what? (laughs) Like, how dare you? (laughs) Totally, totally. So, okay. So I was just binge watching your TEDx talk right before you popped on. Um, And we're just so excited that you're here to speak on body neutrality and, and share your story. And so we'll definitely be linking your TEDx talk, all of the things in the show notes. But if you don't mind sharing with our listeners who you are, how you ended up in this space, how you ended up, you know, writing a book on body neutrality and just all things that encompass Jesse. Yeah. Um, okay. So I used to work in the fitness industry when I lived in New York City. And I had, uh, it was pretty successful. I went under, my business name was Remodel Fitness. I got a lot of media and press. I worked with a lot of, um, you know, like kind of big names uh, for clients. I worked with actresses, models. Like it was awesome because I love strength training and I love how empowering it is. And honestly, when the modeling agency would send me a new girl who had literally never set foot in a gym before and I like introduced her to dumbbells or whatever, it was just the best feeling. Like there was so much about it that I really loved. And I'm a total nerd for like, you know, uh, the the science of training and all of that stuff. But what never sat right with me was the fact that pretty much every single person who walked in was looking to change how they looked 
in order to change how they felt. Like that was the plan was like, if I could just change X, Y, Z about my body, I know I would feel confident and happy and all of the things. And like some of those changes weren't realistic or sustainable or whatever. And so there were times where I was giving people, you know, advice that I was like, I mean, if you want to get there, this is how you can do it. But I don't recommend it. Like I wouldn't like think of all the things you have to give up. Like, why would you do that? And uh, yeah, it just, it never quite felt right, but I was very much in the diet culture world. So I was like, you know, had not heard of uh, intuitive eating or anything like that. So I did what I did. And then I eventually realized that like all of the same conversations were happening across the board, whether you were a Victoria's Secret model or, you know, like a, a mom trying to get in shape after a baby, like we were always having the same kinds of conversations about body image. And it just didn't feel good to be like, yeah, sure, I can help you with that by changing your body. A, not always. <laughs> like, that's not true all the time. In fact, a lot of the time, what they wanted wasn't possible. And then also, I would see people hit those goals and still not feel good. So clearly, it wasn't about how you actually looked or, you know, all the models would feel amazing all the time, right? And that wasn't happening. So Eventually, I discovered, um, you know, things like intuitive eating, health at every size. I just started learning a lot more uh, about where this stuff comes from and decided that that wasn't the path I wanted to take. The fitness and strength training can be an amazing tool, but they're just one tool. <laughs> and I wanted to have a whole bunch of tools to help people feel good in their bodies. So I got my life coaching certification and started doing the work I do now. But body neutrality was not a term at the time. So it was like body positivity, body acceptance, maybe. Um, so it kind of evolved. I mean, as I learned the term, I was like, oh yeah, that's like what I do. But I, I, you know, until you hear, until you know the name of something, you don't necessarily know how to talk about it. So it's evolved over time, but a lot of the work that I do now is stuff that I've just observed in my coaching practice. Cause I've been doing this for, um, like a decade now, this kind of work around body image and learned a lot, you know, and I, I really was obsessed with figuring out what, body image issues are actually about if they're not about how you look and they can't be solved <laughs> that way then what can solve them what are they really about um so yeah that led into uh the content that got me the book deal which is the four body image avatars um which is just a system i used honestly to to help people like understand that there was something else going on that it wasn't just about how you look and also to help people uh identify what that might be for them quickly and easily so I started putting that content out into the world. It led to a book deal and uh, my book just came out like a month ago. So yeah. Congratulations. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> that is incredible. Tell us more about the book, um, what it is, what it's about. And yeah. maybe can you backtrack a little bit and define what is body neutrality? Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> when I first heard the term body neutrality, it was presented as like a an alternative to body positivity because the mainstream messaging around body positivity was like that you should be able to love every inch of your body, you know, just like feel sort of a constant stream of goodness and affection and warmth towards your body. And that, again, just started to feel unrealistic and unsustainable and it made people feel worse about themselves. So I was like, okay, that can't be it. Body neutrality was sort of an alternative where you could just sit in the middle. You're not too attached to how you look, so therefore you don't get too upset when you don't like it. And I I really loved that, but I think it was also at the time kind of posed as like focusing on what your body can do, 
which is a good start for sure, but is not in my understanding now in any way a complete definition of body neutrality because if you're attaching to what you can do, you're still attaching to your body and that sets you up for the same issues. So it's about really just um, stripping away all of the false or inflated like significance and meaning and interpretation and narratives and beliefs about your body that sit on top and make us basically give our bodies so much power that it can like ruin your day, ruin your month, send you down on healthy spirals. Um, by stripping those things away, you kind of end up in a place where your body doesn't have any power over you. Therefore, whether or not you prefer how you look to be how you look, it just doesn't really matter. It's like you can look in the mirror, have a bad hair day, and you're like, roll your eyes and move on, right? You don't be like, why is my hair so shameful and bad? Like most people, anyway. Um, it's the same thing with your body. Like if you can get to a place where you look in the mirror and go, this isn't how I prefer to look today, but it is what it is. And then you move on. That's that's great. <laughs> that's a huge improvement. And for most people, it's a lot more, more realistic than looking in the mirror and preferring what you see every day. So um, yeah, to me, that's what body neutrality has evolved into. And my book is called Body Neutral, A Revolutionary Guide to Overcoming Body Image Issues. And it's about sort of introducing the concept of body neutrality as I understand it, and then also giving like a step-by-step instruction uh, for people to move toward it, to move from the body image suffering place where it has all this power to the place where you're free from all that power. Um, and you can just, you know, say to yourself, this isn't this isn't my favorite thing, but it also doesn't have the power to like ruin my day, ruin my life, like my self-worth is not attached to this, so I can just move on. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Love, love this conversation. And it, it, as you were speaking, it reminded me of so many different times, even for myself, you know, back in the day when I was really entrenched in diet culture, where I would be feeling good, having a good day, and then like catch a glimpse of myself, like walking past like a window or something. And then it was like, boom, shame spiral. I hate myself. Yep. I'm horrible, et cetera, et cetera. So I can relate to that yeah. a lot. Um, so obviously there's so much nuance to this conversation because you wrote a book on it. So there's a <laughs> lot of density to it, but for those listening who are like, that sounds like a dream to not spiral and spend so much time hating my body, obsessing about my yeah. body. I wish I could just be neutral. What are some of the biggest takeaways from your book or tips or places yeah. for listeners to start with body neutrality? So the first thing I think is really important, and this is where I start with every new coaching client, is we talk about how your body image issues exist for a reason. Like there was a very good reason that you developed uh, this relationship where you gave your body so much power or it ended up with so much power over you. Um, a lot of it is just a, a really clever sort of adaptive coping strategy to solve something at some point or offer you something that you needed or at least try to offer you something that you needed at the time that it developed. And so what I think happens is a lot of people come in for this kind of coaching. They're like, I don't even know why I care about this. Like, I shouldn't care about this. I just can't stop obsessing over it. And I'm like, step one, 
yes, you should be obsessing over it. It served a purpose. Let's just find out what it is. That's all. Because if we treat it like the enemy, then it's really no different than treating our bodies like the enemy. And there's very little wiggle room there. You can't do a whole lot. So the first step is to acknowledge that you have these body image issues for a reason and to kind of <laughs> kind of a weird way of putting it maybe, but like to give them the respect they deserve because they helped you or tried to help you survive in some way. And then once you come from that place, there's a lot more compassion, a lot more um, like for yourself, you know, self-compassion. There's a lot more curiosity that can enter the conversation like instead of being like why am I like this I'm so broken like and so weak and you know whatever irrational you can start going oh I wonder why I might have developed this I wonder what problem my body image issues might be trying to solve for me I wonder what needs my body image issues might be trying to get met for me like when you can approach it that way a whole world of interesting stuff opens up that's where your next step has to live. Like you have to be able to start looking in the space of how are you trying to help me rather than why are you here? You big jerk. I hate you. Like it just doesn't work to do the work from that place, you know? So I would say the first big takeaway is really acknowledging that they serve a purpose. Um, They showed up for a reason and they're trying to help or protect you. And then the next step is to figure out how, how they're helping you specifically. Cause there's so many ways that this can be, for example, like if you uh, became obsessed with dieting, counting calories, that kind of thing, it could have been a strategy to distract yourself from pain or fear or uncertainty at a certain age that just stuck. It could be a way of, okay, if I can lose weight, I'll be accepted and, and feel like a sense of belonging and value. Great. That's like a whole strategy on its own to solve the problem of not feeling like you belong or not feeling like you have value. There's so many things that could be going on, but until you identify it, you don't stand a single chance of actually being able to heal it, which is why so much of body positivity stuff, like, you know, the goal may have felt unrealistic, but also there was no strategy to get there. It was like, you should love yourself. Okay, go ahead. Um, And this is like a lot more practical and I'm so passionate about helping it feel practical so that people don't just feel overwhelmed by the process. Like almost like it's a choice. I just have to stop hating my body because it's not a choice. The thing serves a purpose. It's not going to go away until it no longer has a purpose. So that's the work. I love how you just framed that. And I feel like it just reminds me of, to put in like a Sammy analogy, like it reminds me of like whack-a-mole, right? Like unless (laughs) we like identify why the mole is popping up, like Mm -hmm. it's just going to keep popping up elsewhere. So it's like, instead of feeling the way I'm interpreting it is instead of feeling the guilt or shame or fear or embarrassment or whatever, feeling that you're feeling around your body or the coping mechanism that you used, it's like giving it purpose almost. Am I taking that the right way? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know that we're giving it purpose. It has a purpose. Like we're just trying to identify what that purpose is. And obviously most people, because our lived experiences are so complex, the society we live in, there's so many factors happening. It's never this straightforward, but if it were as simple as you developed an obsession with looking good in order to um, make people be nice to you, (laughs) let's say it was that, right? It's like a safety mechanism. You want kindness, you want connection. So you become obsessed with how you look in the hopes that looking a certain way will earn you those things. Well, you're definitely going to get really mad at your body and feel really disappointed and betrayed by your body 
anytime someone's not nice to you, right? But the truth is your body just does not have the power to make people be nice to you. It was an impossible job you gave it. So it's no wonder then that over time with that kind of subconscious strategy, you end up freaking hating your body. You're like, how could you do this to me? I gave you one job. And it's like, I literally, I can't. Like no matter how thin you are, no matter how conventionally, like you, it just doesn't have that power. And so it makes a lot of sense that you would end up, it would like, maybe start as a coping strategy on a simple level and then get more and more of that hatred and baggage over time because you feel like it's letting you down over and over and over. But through body neutrality, once you identify that, then you can start creating a, a different strategy for uh, perhaps not making people be nice to you because that's not like a super uh, <laughs> possible strategy to create. But you could at least say like, I would like to build resilience when people are not nice to me, for example, I would like to have built up the skill of handling that in a way that doesn't totally knock me down or make me question myself. And also, hey, I want more connection. That was another piece of it. I'm going to go create the skill set or fear facing or whatever it is I need to do to have more abundant connection in my life. Let's say you get to the you know, you're like moving into that at a certain point, you're never like, oh, hey, my body is great now. You just stop thinking about it. Because when your needs are actually getting met that you were hoping your body would meet for you, then your body doesn't have to meet them for you. And it just fades. So that's when I say it doesn't have power anymore. Like on the other side of this body neutrality journey, it's really just the most anticlimactic ending of any story. Like all of my clients are like, oh, you know what? I haven't even thought about that for months. I'm like, did you ever think that would be possible? And they're like, no, weird. But it's not like this big reveal. Like I feel neutral all of a sudden. It's more like I've just been thinking about other stuff and that hasn't crept in. And this is why it's because of course, it's going to be a constant source of like obsessive thoughts when you have given your body a task to like make your life be okay. I love this. And so much of this is paralleled to relationship with food, right? And mm-hmm. and the same thing when, when clients find food freedom or they make peace with food, like, oh my God, I never thought I could have a bag of Cheetos in the house yes. and like forget about it because before we would have to finish it and get it out of the house and eat it yeah. with urgency and all of those kind of things. But I'm relating to so much of what you're saying and it's making so much sense. I want to revisit earlier in, in the conversation you talked about four body avatars. Can you, I have not seen that from your work. So I would love to hear a little bit more about what that is or how you kind of classify that. Yeah. So I call them the four body image avatars. And essentially I was seeing a pattern in my clients, in my coaching practice for, um, kind of like big umbrella categories for what was going on underneath that was creating the relationship with their body where their body had so much power over them. And I was basically just trying to come up with a way to make that easy to digest for people. And I ended up like sort of personifying each of the categories, like fleshing them out a little bit, you know, using a lot of the common patterns that I was seeing and what they share, what they have in common, you know, trying to distill it down so that people could recognize themselves in it pretty quickly. And then by doing that, uh, each one has like a place to start looking for, or I always say it's like that it, it just helps you locate yourself on the map of what the heck could be going on. And then it gives you a place to start digging. So uh, you kind of have an idea about where 
like where your body image issues might be trying to help you. It's not super specific or personal yet because at this point <laughs> it's it's one or more of four. Um, but it does give you some understanding. I think it also has a really like beautiful side effect of helping normalize stuff because when people read what I've written about them and they read themselves in it, they're like, oh my God, it's not just me. Because so much of body image issues are like isolating, shamey. People see it as like a character defect. And so just to read it all, I, I think is like so validating. And um, yeah, again, invites a lot of that self-compassion. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. Um, but I can go into the four if you want. If you could give like just an yeah. elevator pitch of them. You don't right. need to break okay. them all down. And then that way, if you have a resource too, people can go read sure. more about them. So the self-objectifier is one. And the self-objectifier's focus is on being attractive or desirable enough to basically get everything they want and need in the world, to get their needs met, to get what they want. So attractiveness, usually meaning like conventional beauty ideals, kind of attractive. Um, and this this is often seen through the male gaze. Like obviously anybody of any gender can be any of the avatars, but this is often women or femmes who have learned to see themselves and their value through the lens of men's desire for them. And so it's like, <laughs> there's of course the easy way of, uh, I would like to find a partner. So I want to be attractive enough to find a partner, but it usually goes way beyond that. And it's like, I would like, uh, literally anything from any aspect of the world. And the key to getting there is to be attractive. That's the self-objectifier's focus. The high achiever is focused on using their body to show their moral excellence, or basically like to show that they're good or even maybe better than other people, that they're like a uh, sort of top tier person through accomplishments and achievements and status and privilege and all of these things. Um, and they may or may not be particularly focused on looking attractive, but they are almost always focused on looking like they work hard and have discipline. And, you know, so there's usually like a weight or fitness component, a lot of food stuff. Um, the outsider is not trying to look better than anyone. They are trying to sort of just fit in. The outsider's focus is earning the positive social connections that they crave or protecting them from negative social uh, interactions, you know, like um, humiliation or rejection, abandonment, that kind of thing. And again, it may or may not have anything to do with being attractive, may or may not have anything to do with uh, privilege or status. A lot of times uh, outsiders will tell me that they neither want to look particularly good or particularly bad. They just want to be allowed and accepted, right? And then the runner is the one who is using their body or their body image um feelings 
like the suffering that goes along with it or their body image behaviors, meaning any of the behaviors that that can exist in this world, uh, just to cope and survive, to to feel usually a feeling of control, um, a feeling of protection or just a way of coping with stuff that they don't feel like they can face. So those are the four and you can totally be more than one. Everyone's like, but what if I'm, yeah. <laughs> um, so another nice thing about the four body image avatars is that I think it, it helps people set a realistic expectation for how long the journey is going to take. Cause if you're like, Oh, three of them are a zero for me. And one of them is like a whole bunch. I have a self-assessment in my book. You can like take to score it and figure it out. Um, then it might be a pretty straightforward situation. Not to say it's going to be easy, but it, it might be pretty uncomplicated. If you resonate with three or four of them at a high level, it's going to be a longer and more complex journey. That's all. The, the process is exactly the same, but it's just going to be a little more time consuming. And it would not be realistic to be like, in the next three months, I'm going to, you know, like it's just going to take time because there's a lot underneath each one and it's serving multiple deeply important purposes. Thank you for reading my mind <laughs> or our minds because I saw Sam make the same face. But yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking back to my own personal journey and like where I would have put myself like back in my day. And I feel like I would have hit at least three out of four pretty high. Yeah. <laughs> is that pretty common, you would say? It is. But something I've noticed is that I think because a lot of them are sort of universal human experience things a lot of times you might resonate I would say most people probably resonate with aspects of all four but there's usually one or two that really kind of are leading the charge and when they tackle those the other stuff does just kind of like fall away or it just feels like super second tier you're like oh I guess now I could tackle this thing but you've already like cleared out so much at that point um so usually there is some kind of um like ranking order for how important or, or what the impact is. But definitely I have met people who have three or four all at really high levels and it is super, super painful. As someone who works with humans who are always repairing their relationship with body, I can definitely attest to all of these <laughs> and we see these <laughs> all the time in practice. Yeah. And I love, I love naming things and bringing expectations to things. I think that's such an important part of the healing process because again, when people are coming so often from social media, reading, just love yourself, right? Love your yeah. body. That becomes really confusing of what the expectation even is of the journey. So yeah. I love how this relates to body neutrality and, and how you really bring all this together. So for those listening who are like, okay, I think I'm all four of these, <laughs> right? Like to the highest degree or one of them or whatnot, yeah. just recognizing that they're nowhere near body neutrality. Where would you recommend that they go to get started or what would be some, some tips for those first steps? Uh, buy my book because it explains all of this <laughs> in detail and with like tools and concepts for you. Um, so I will say that no matter which avatars you resonate with, and, and something I feel really strongly about too is I know everybody loves like a self-assessment quiz. Everybody loves labels. I encourage you not to get too attached to it. It is a it is a place to start 
and nothing more. It is a diving board, not like an end goal. So I've had clients go through where they started with one avatar thinking it was that. And then we sort of kept digging and digging and landed. Oh, hey, maybe it's this other one, actually, like underneath it all. For example, you you might be like, oh, I'm a self-objectifier. I just want to look attractive. I just want to look attractive. But then you discover, well, the reason I want to look attractive, it's it's because I believe that having high status and privilege is the key to getting what I want. So maybe you're a slightly atypical looking high achiever, right? Like it doesn't matter though. The point is you knew where to start looking. And so that's it. Um, But yeah, I would say for no matter what you resonate with, the next step is to find the personal. So you start with the avatar. And in the book, I outline like a lot of the major patterns, like what the underlying purpose of your body image issues might be. Um, by avatar, like there's some really common uh, characteristics shared among people with each avatar. But you have to get really, really personal and specific about how it's serving you, what problem it's been trying to help solve for you, what needs it's been trying to meet for you. So the next step is to take what you've learned in that general picture and apply it to you and your own personal life story. So you might be like, oh, I just want to look attractive because looking hot is important. Great. Self-objectifier. But like literally for you, what do you believe looking a certain way is going to earn you or protect you from or, you know, what needs do you imagine would be met if you looked this way? There's a a lot of specifics that you have to start pulling into it. And that can take a while to find. But I always invite people to do I have like exercises in the book, um, but to do like a positive body image fantasy and a negative body image fantasy as a writing exercise like outline everything you imagine if you had your dream body. What is different in your life? What needs are getting met? What like describe it in detail. Let your your you know daydreaming mind go go wild. Cause there's gonna be a lot of details in there that like really tell you what you are hoping to get out of being conventionally attractive. And then on the flip side, what are you afraid would happen if you weren't or you never get there or you lose it if you're if you feel like you're meeting those standards now, but you're worried about aging or gaining weight or whatever. Um really outlining like not from a logical place because I feel like most of us logically like this is not a logical exercise just really tapping into like what are you deeply afraid of getting you know wrinkles and gray hair and cellulite and whatever it might be why does that scare you and once you start laying out the details you're gonna see patterns for what feels like oh that's what I'm trying to do by meeting these ideals and so that starts to give you the specifics for what problems your body image suffering has been trying to solve. I love that exercise idea. I'm definitely going to have to steal that for practice. Obviously giving you credit, but that is such a beautiful thing to just let yourself brain dump all of that yep. onto a page. And I will say that clients are often shocked. Like they will say, I thought this was going to be really easy. Like, oh, I would just be happy and everybody would love me. But then once you get into it, you're like, whoa, that was really specific. I did not know that lived in there, you know, because it's it's in the subconscious mind. There's a lot going on. Like mm-hmm. we we all sort of nurse this little fantasy for sometimes years or decades of what life will be like when I finally get it right, when I finally get my shit together and I, you know, drink a green juice and do yoga every morning and I have a 10 step skincare routine and you know, whatever it is, right? Like, Ooh, there is a cherished little fantasy living in the subconscious around what that version of you has and is like, and, and it's powerful to put words to it. 
Isn't it wild how people will use the word happy or healthy and like have actually no idea what that means to them? Like that's a pretty big catch all, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just going to be happy when I, and I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like you just keep asking that question. What does that feel like? What does that look like? Uh Like, I don't know. Happy. I'm like, you can't use that. Like you can't use that word to answer the question. I love that (laughs) taking it out. I, I actually think that's kind of brilliant. It's I'll do that sometimes with uh, clients around relationships, uh, taking the word love out. I'm like, you're going to have to be more specific. If you can love like ice cream and your partner, then this word has now lost all meaning. And I'm going to need you to be more specific about what you're trying to say. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so, okay. I feel like we've covered so much. Already, <laughs> and we're like, rocking and rolling through <laughs> Sam and I's checklist over here. Um, but I think one question that I know... Sam and I both definitely want to hear from you is what are body image issues really about? Like we always say like body image is not about your body. It's brain issues, but like that's also kind of a catch all and it's not really giving enough credit to what body image or body neutrality or body positivity air quotes, like what that really is about is like, do you see in practice like specific reasons or spaces that body image work comes up for your clients? Yes. And because that is such a hard question to answer, I think the avatars was part of my way of trying to help answer it because there's so many reasons. And I uh, I personally felt very overwhelmed for a long time knowing them all, but not having a way to really like talk about them clearly. So a lot of when I was creating the avatars, it was it was for me to have clarity around this kind of stuff so that I could just, you know, be more concise when I talked about it. So uh, each avatar definitely has its own um, why it exists category, <laughs> but I can just give you an example. So my my avatar avatars were self-objectifier and, and the runner. And I would say that at this point, I no longer identify with the self-objectifier. I do think I'll probably be a runner for, for a lifetime, you know, but what are you going to do? Um, so as a self-objectifier, there was a deep, totally conflicting with what I actually believed, belief um, that like I existed for men's pleasure, that like I owed men a desirable, positive experience of me. And therefore, all of my value, my feelings of self-worth, my feelings of confidence, all of these things, they were contingent on whether or not I was meeting this ideal of what men like. And so therefore, even when I liked what I saw, I didn't like what I see. You know what I mean? It was like when I liked what I saw in the mirror, I felt confident, if you will, but I felt anxious too. Cause it was like, I only feel this way because I'm not bloated today. I, I don't, I didn't break out today. I did a good job on my eye makeup or I nailed this outfit. Like it was always so, um, so zoomed in, you know, so hyper-focused in the moment that there was no peace, no ease. It was very stressful. And then of course, on the flip side, it was like any area of my body that I felt didn't meet this ideal was a complete and total failure, super shame ridden. And it was like threatening to ruin my life and strip me of value. So in that example, I like the purpose of my body image issues was to earn me a feeling of worth and value. And safety, even, I would say. So, like, it's always something like that, but each person's is going to be different. Um, I would say it 
for the first three, the runner, the high achiever, or sorry, the um the self-objectifier, the high achiever, and the outsider, there's a really big link to self-worth, meaning that there is some way in which you are trying to use your body or appearance uh, to earn you a feeling of being good enough, being worthy, uh, having value, that kind of thing. And then for the runner, it's slightly different, but um, anytime you give anything that power, it's going to feel tenuous and stressful at best, you know, and completely miserable and, and painful at worst. So it can be a lot of different things. Thank you so much for using that example, your own self example. And I think like you alluded to before, there's just so many unmet needs where we're just plugging the body as like the scapegoat of if I change this X need will be met, whatever that need may be. So for everyone listening, Jesse, because I think you are so eloquent with your words and how you speak on this. If someone is listening today, and this will be kind of like our last nugget for them, and they say, I hate my body, my body is terrible. If you could have them remember one thing from this episode, what would you want them to know? Just very simply put, it could be one sentence, it could be two sentences, just what do you want listeners to hear about their body today? It makes sense that you feel that way. There's Mm -hmm. a good reason that you feel that way. And I hope that you will get curious about what that reason might be. Because that's really the only way out. Can you put that on a (laughs) t-shirt? I feel like, or like a hat. Like, I feel like that's like a really good line. I would buy that. Okay. So let me know when the merch drops. Um, Thank you so much. That really encompasses everything we've talked about today. And I guess our final question is where can people find you? Tell us more about the book, um, where they can purchase it or pre-order. I think your website says, just tell us more about that. I have to take that that down. That's okay. Yeah, no, you can buy it. Okay. You can buy Body Neutral anywhere that you buy books. I do always recommend buying it from like a local bookstore if that's an option um, so that we don't all give our money to Amazon, but you know, it is available everywhere on the internet. Um, you can buy it as an audiobook, like on Audible or wherever you get those. You can buy it for Kindle. You can buy it in paperback. Um, yeah. And then you can find me at jessineeland.com or on Instagram or TikTok at jessineeland. I also have a podcast called This Is Not About Your Body. And uh, I think that's it. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Jesse. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all of your friends and faves, and don't forget to rate and review and let us know what you want to hear more of. The more we hear from you, the more that we can make these episodes exactly what you want. We would also love to connect with you on Instagram at whatthefork We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for more fun.